Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Well, this is my sense of normalcy. For the first time since the pandemic started, we're, we're on the road. I'm broadcasting live from our remote, our mobile broadcast facility, our road show. We are out at the Capco Kids to Kids Christmas event. Now, right now, there, there, there's nothing going on because it's a holiday light show, and it really picks up, well, once it starts to get dark. But I can tell you, having just driven through here, this is just an incredibly cool scene. Um, this is the 15th year for the, the Capco Kids to Kids Christmas event. I think everybody knows knows the drill by now. Over those 15 years, um, Capco, with the help of a lot of partners, including us, have helped raise 230,000 new toys that have been distributed to low-income children and others who face adversity in the community. The toys are provided to the Salvation Army and nearly 40 other charities in southeastern Wisconsin to make sure that they're given to families you know, facing adversity. And Lord knows there's enough of that going on this year. Um, Given the unemployment rate related to the pandemic, um, there is a greater need probably for toys more this year perhaps than, than ever. And so what Capco has done is they've created a new destination event that will not only bring joy to tens of thousands of people, but helpfully help us generate well over 20,000 toys for children in need. So where I am right now is out in, in Grafton. Could not be easier to get to this. This is, is a, I'm in a giant parking lot just to the south of where Capco's main offices are. I'm at the corner of Highway 60, which is if you get off the freeway, I-43, you go west about a mile or so, and you hit Cheyenne Avenue. But you cannot miss this. And I, I'm at the Christmas Wonderland. And i got to tell you, it is cool to look at in the day. I can only imagine how cool it's going to be at night. There's mill- It's a drive through and there's all these different storefronts that are out there. Um, they, millions of lights. There's a nativity scene. There's live reindeer. There's an opportunity to see Santa through a special See Santa Fast Pass ticket opportunity. Three mesmerizing light tunnels built by K Nation Entertainment just for this event. There's a charming Christmas Village Square featuring dozens of storefronts. I'm looking at those right now. There's original music by Nashville country and pop artists. There's a Santa's workshop featuring working elves where thousands of toys will be provided to low-income children that's going to be on display and there's going to be even more lights installed this weekend so if you've already attended come on back because there's always going to be more to see so it is very very cool and of course what we're doing today in or in addition to trying to helping to promote the event um, we're also trying to raise some money if you text the word kids k-i-d-s to our talk and text line 855-616-1620 we'll send you the, the link where you can make a donation um, you can also buy tickets to the event and make donations at the kids to kids toy drive kids to that's the a number two kids to kids toy drive.com the event started uh, about a week or so ago, November 27th. Um, it runs through December 31st. Pricing starts at $20 a vehicle. It, it is just incredibly cool. But like I say, we're doing our Radiothon today. So 
Text the word KIDS to um, 855-616-1620, and what we're going to do is we'll, we'll send you the link so you can, can help us out and donate some money here. I have to admit, I, I kind of outsmarted myself. I want to just give you a, like a little behind-the-scenes stuff. We're, we're in, the, in the, the road show, which is a metal box that sits outside. Now, in past years... For whatever reasons, when we've been doing the remote events in, in December, I show up, and, of course, my on-site um, engineer is John Tyler, and John and I have been friends for years and years. John John loves Alaska. That is his happy place. Jeff loves Key West. That is his happy place. John Tyler would be happy being in Alaska in the middle of winter looking at Russia. Jeff wants to be at mile marker zero in Key West looking at Cuba. Now, you can tell those that tells you where we are on different temperature things and so knowing that we were going to be in the remote i i have learned over the years that you dress warmly especially when you're doing the first remote of the day so i i've got my big coat i've got my stocking cap i've got like four layers on i've got my boots i i show up and for some reason it's like 90 degrees inside at least my portion of our road show. So it's, it is just incredibly, incredibly comfortable. I don't know exactly what's happened. I think it's just all, I think everything just kind of coming together to make me comfortable and stuff. But talk about overdressed. But this is, it's a very cool event. We're going to have fun all afternoon. And like I say, if you can see it in your heart to donate, just text the word KIDS, K-I-D-S, to 855-616-1620, and we'll um, get you started. All right. A lot of stuff coming up on the program today. President-elect Biden, and I understand some people don't like to hear that, but this January 20th, Joe Biden is going to be inaugurated as the next president of the United States. That's just kind of the reality. And he's already putting together his transition team, and he's already starting to roll out some of the things that he wants to do. Obviously, one of his top priorities has to be dealing with COVID. Now, my point all along has been, I'm not really sure what a President Biden would have done last March that was materially different than what President Trump did last March. And my belief all along has been that we'd really kind of been be in the same situation. Now, I understand President Trump was tagged with the argument that he's not empathetic enough and he didn't appreciate the consequences enough. And, you know, reasonable people can perhaps argue about that. But the truth is COVID is very, very pervasive. And, you know, it's had a huge resurgence, a resurgence all over the country, including in, in areas that have had mask rules essentially in place since last spring and lockdowns since last spring. And yet, nevertheless, you're, you're seeing COVID COVID, the numbers are just spiking all over the country. So President Biden, President-elect Biden announces yesterday, first thing he is going to do is ask Americans to wear masks for 100 days after he takes office. So that'd be end of January, end of February, end of March, end of April, into May. Now, this isn't an, an order. I don't think he has the authority to do it. He knows that. But he's going to ask Americans, he said, this is what I think we need to do to get past this virus. We need to ask Americans to wear masks for 100 days. Now, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know, I'm, I'm really not an anti-mask guy. I, I wear masks when I go into grocery stores and, and things like that. My point is, and this is what I want to start the conversation off with, I believe that the vast majority of people, the overwhelming majority of people out there now, wear masks. Now, I understand maybe if people are outside 
deer hunting or whatever, they're not wearing masks. I also acknowledge that, you know, if you go into a bar or you go into a restaurant, you know, people are sitting at the tables and eating. They're, they're not going to be wearing masks. I, to the extent that people feel comfortable going into the restaurants, they're, they're not going to wear masks when they're sitting at the table because you, you can't eat and, and sit at the table. I mean, it's just not practical to hear, I'm going to take a bite and I'm going to pull the mask up and down. You also defeat the purpose of wearing the mask. So with the exception of, of outside, and with the exception of, again, you know, people who are actively involved in eating and drinking in bars, my experience is generally, I, I would say 80 to 90 percent of the people that I see in places where I go are, in fact, wearing masks. Now, some of them arguably might not be wearing masks properly. You know, the mask pulled up over the chin or the mask pulled, you know, down over the nose. But that's, that's to me, a different question. You know, it's not a question of are they wearing masks or not. It's are they wearing it properly. So, and, and I look at this, and I understand that there's a lot of people out there that think, okay, well, if Americans just embraced mask wearing, this is going to solve all the problems. And the reason I am skeptical of that is, again, not the issue of should you wear masks or not, but I believe, at least based on my observations and the places I go, the vast majority of people that I see when I go into the hardware store, when I go into the grocery store, when I go into the big box retailer, if I see somebody who's not wearing a mask, that's, that's really the outlier. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't want to debate whether or not people should or shouldn't wear masks. My only point is I think almost everybody is wearing a mask now. What do you see? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So Joe Biden says he's going to ask, not require, but he's going to ask Americans to wear masks for the first hundred days after he takes office. And he says that, that that'll that'll get us out of the problem that we're in. Well, I mean, I think ultimately it's going to be a vaccine that's going to get us out of the problem we're in. This I, I, I'm not arguing should you wear masks or not. I'm just making the point that at least in the places that I go. I would say the overwhelming majority of people are already wearing masks. Now, with the exception being if you go into bars or restaurants, but but Joe Biden isn't saying he's going to close down bars and restaurants. He's going to say, I, I want people to wear masks. Aren't people already wearing masks? 855-616-1620. Um, Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, in my small circle of life, uh, everyone that I've seen in restaurants and bars is wearing a mask when they need to or stay socially distant. I have a part-time job where I call in various retailers, and everyone's wearing a mask. I go deer hunting. No one's wearing a mask out in the woods. I go okay. walking. No one's wearing a mask outside. And I think that, uh, like you said, everyone's wearing a mask. I don't think it's going to make a hill of beans of difference, but this is our own little small circle of light. Maybe nationwide it's different, yeah. but I don't think it is. Yeah, no. Thanks to call, Mike. Well, I, I don't. I guess, and, see, and, and that's it again. This, this isn't. This isn't a. You know, masks don't help, or masks do help. That's not the discussion. I just think that. 
I, I think there's this kind of myth that's out there that there's this huge number, tens of millions of Americans who refuse to wear masks under any sort of circumstance. Now, maybe there's parts of the country, maybe there's parts of the state where that is, in fact, the case. I'm just saying, at least in the areas where I travel, in southeastern Wisconsin, I, I mean, okay, so we're, we're at this Capco event. There's a, a series of big stores. We're right off the freeway there, big box retailers. There's a Costco. There's a Target right down the street from me. There's a Menards, all that. My my guess is, if I were to walk into the stores during the, the break between the 12 o'clock and the 1 o'clock hour, I, everybody would be wearing masks. Now, some people might not be wearing the masks properly. And I, I guess maybe there's certain parts of the state where that's not happening. I'm just wondering whether a wear masks for 100 days is going to make any difference, because I think everybody, or at least the most people, are already doing it. 855-616-1620. Russ in Green Bay. Rush, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, I've noticed a change in Green Bay over the past um, two months. The mask use has increased significantly. It used to be um, September, early October, you'd go into a, a grocery store and there was very few mm-hmm. people wearing masks. Now it's turned mm-hmm. around. Now it's just that um, a person here and there that's not wearing a mask. And those people are part of the lunatic fringe. They're, um, they're almost doing it for the shock value of it. But I've noticed a huge improvement in the Green Bay area. However, I do want to say that if I don't go to bars, I'd love to go out to eat dinner, but I, I don't anymore. But you go sure. to the bars, drive by the bars and restaurants in Green Bay, they are packed all the time. Of course, mm-hmm. Green Bay is one of the biggest, drunkest cities in the United States, so I don't think people can help themselves. But, um, but I do see that there yeah. is improvement in this, and that actually gives me hope for the future. Thanks for the call, oh, Russ. Well, I, again, and I, I mean, when, when I have this conversation, I, and I might have, I'll share some texts I'm getting. People saying, "Well, you know, you, you go into these bars and people aren't wearing masks." Well, okay, I, I accept that because, I, I mean. I don't eat inside in many restaurants, but I, I do occasionally. Most of the time, we've been eating, you know, outside and things like that. But you know, when, when you're at a table, you're you're not going to wear a mask. That that's just the reality. So that's a bad indicator. And and I, I don't, for example, hear Joe Biden saying I'm going to close down all the bars and, and the restaurants. He's he's not talking about doing that. He's saying I want to encourage people to wear masks. And and again, I have no problem with that. I'm somebody who I don't need the government telling me I have to wear the mask. I, I do it as part of this the social contract. I'm just saying I don't know that I think this is going to make that much difference because my experience is most people are are already doing this um jeff i would here's let some text jeff in rural wisconsin i'd say it's about half and half um jeff if stores took away the mandate i would believe you would see many less masks well well that that, that could be but the stores i mean most of the stores have the mandate and again to me the, the putting on the mask has, has almost gotten to be like a habit like like wearing seat belts gets to be a habit. And I know the law says you're supposed to wear seat belts, but I get in the car. The first thing I do is just buckle my seat belt. Now, I mean, I, I have I always have a couple masks that are in my back pocket, and I, I get out of the car in the parking lot to the store. And as I'm walking into the store, I'm, I'm putting on the mask. It's just kind of the way you do business. When I go to get my hair cut. Um, she wears a mask. I wear a mask. It's just how it works. Jeff, I live in Manitowoc County, and many people are not wearing masks, including employees at the post office, smaller shops, gas stations, restaurants, oil change places, and several smaller stores have door signs that say mask-free zone. Okay, well, that's, and again, maybe maybe there is some differentiation point between southeastern Wisconsin and Madison and the rest of the state. 
Uh, let's see. Jeff, around 15 million people have had it and recovered, and I think we should start seeing people not wearing masks because they have some degree of immunity. I think even if you've had it and you've, um, even if you've had it um, and, and you, you can't get it again, you can't give it to somebody, I, I just think even in those cases, it's probably best to wear a mask. Um, Jeff, I just drove from Milwaukee to Marquette, Michigan, to drop off my daughter at college, and at every stop, People there were wearing masks. Jeff, I drive all over the country for a living. I would say that only 40% of the people um, wear masks. Huh. Um, Jeff, uh, perhaps the point isn't to tell people what they already were already mandated, but to set a new tone from the executive branch seems like it could be just be good optics. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I guess I understand that. And that's why the point I made at the start of this, and I know some of you disagree with me on it, I, I don't... I, I don't think if Joe Biden had been the president in March, I, I really don't think we would be in a different number numerical situation than we are now, because a lot of areas of the country, you know, where you've had mask mandates and you've had these lockdowns that have been going on, they're still seeing huge spikes. I think it's a testament to just how pervasive this this pandemic is and this disease is. I think President Trump deserves among if you're going to criticize him, I think the best thing is he, he failed to appreciate the, the optics of the situation, he failed to show appropriate empathy. And I think at the end of the day, that's probably what cost him the election. And again, I have no problem with Joe Biden saying he's going to ask Americans to wear masks for 100 days. To me, I think that is probably more about optics than anything in reality, because at least as far as I'm concerned, I think the truth of this is, you know, what, what's going to really be the turning point to turn around this pandemic is going to be when those vaccines start to get distributed to a wide range of people, masks or no masks. And I'm not encouraging people not to wear masks because I think people already, by and large, make that decision to do it voluntarily. Uh, 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. Once again, we are broadcasting live from the Capco Winter Wonderland. We are out in Grafton. I'm on the corner of essentially Highway 60 and Cheyenne. Can't miss it. This is the Capco Winter Wonderland. And once the sun goes down in a couple hours, well, that's where things really heat up. Millions of lights, storefronts. It is a very, very cool thing. And it's all part of our effort to raise some money for Kids to Kids Christmas. Um, You can find out about how to donate by going to WTMJ.com. Also, if you text us the word KIDS, K-I-D-S, to, to um, 855-616-1620, we'll, we'll send you a link to the information. Wonderful cause. This is the 15th year of the Capco Kids to Kids Christmas event. If you were to look up the phrase dumpster fire in the okay latest edition of the dictionary, you would see... The Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission, starting you, starting with the, the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, Tom Barrett, who has completely and totally lost control of crime in the city. Then you would see there's only six members of the seven-member Fire and Police Commission right now. Um, the former chairman had to sort of, he's still on the board, but he stepped down as chairman because of ethical issues. Uh, one of the only the only member of the Fire and Police Commission that had any sort of significant law enforcement experience, he quit because it was just too darn crazy. That's my words, not his, but that's kind of what ended up happening. So now you've got six members of the Fire and Police Commission. Don't even get me started with all the problems they've had with employees and the executive director. And by the way, 
you know, there, there's, there's no full-time police chief right now. The city of Milwaukee had a great police chief. Came up through the ranks, a local guy, Alfonso Morales, and because he wouldn't cave in to some of the forces of political correctness that were out there, they ended up dumping him. So what happened is, you know, one of the other guys that had been with the department for a while took over as an interim basis. He, he either decided he didn't want it or didn't think he could get it. So the current acting police chief is stepping down December 23rd. So here, here's the deal. You've got six members of the seven-member Fire and Police Commission. There's one vacancy. Tom Barrett has nominated this woman to, to be the seventh commissioner. She's the civic engagement director for a youth advocacy group. This is a group that is about as anti-cop as you can possibly get. They wanted to, um, like, take the police out of the schools. Um, very, very active over the years in trying to, the, the whole idea of defund the police. And this is who we're going to have as the seventh member in the Fire and Police Commission. Don't get me started on that. But she's not there yet. She has to be approved by the Common Council. So you've got six members of the, the Fire and Police Commission. You've got the acting police chief who's going to who's, who's bailing at the end of the month so they, they now have they have three candidates for the job last night they vote on the candidates this is where they're going to be able to select it well, well here's the deal six members three vote for one guy three vote for a second guy nobody votes for the third guy it's a tie it's a tie so there's no new police chief. So what they do is they say, okay, here, we're going to take a break. We're going to go back. We're going to think about this. We're going to come back, and we're going to revote, thinking, okay, maybe somebody would change their mind, whatever. Nope. They come out. They revote. Three for one guy, three for another guy, none for the third. Still a tie. So they haven't hired a member of the they haven't. They can't agree. This dumpster fire of a fire and police commission can't even agree among themselves on a new chief, meaning... No, even and by the way, even if they were able to, I don't know, maybe a three to two to one vote or something like that, that would have told you that whoever takes over is already hamstrung because they don't have the support of half of the members of the Fire and Police Commission. So here's where it gets really even stranger. Tom Barrett has nominated again this seventh. Uh, commissioner. And again, in, in my opinion, you're talking about somebody who is extremely anti-police. That's just what the Fire and Police Commission needs. So, okay, she's going to come on. And assuming that she gets approved by the Common Council, she is going to be able to cast what could ultimately be the deciding vote, breaking the tie that's now 3-3 three, three, and 0. And this is going to be a woman who hasn't participated at all in the interviews of the police chiefs. I mean, she hasn't been part of the process at, at all while it's been playing out over the course of the last month or two, and that may very well be the deciding vote, somebody who hasn't been involved at all. Uh, maybe there is maybe there is a more screwed-up way to go about this, but I swear I don't think I could come up with it. I, I really don't. And, and here's the real tragedy of this, and I, and I say this sincerely. At a time when the city of Milwaukee desperately needs leadership, when it comes to the area of crime, you're getting none. 
You're getting none from the mayor of the city of Milwaukee, who at least by all intents and purposes is punched out as he you know, finishes his term and gets ready to ride off into the sunset a couple years from now. You've got the Fire and Police Commission, which I, I would say dysfunctional, but that would be to insult people who are dysfunctional. And meanwhile, you've got crime which is flat out out of control in the city of Milwaukee. As we have talked about on multiple occasions, you're going to have to go back to the early 1990s to find a homicide homicide number as high as it's going to be this year. It is possible that this could be the all-time record year for homicides, and that's not a goal that you want to be at. And of course, that has nothing to do with the shootings, that has nothing to do with the thefts, all those different things. Crime is completely and totally out of control. You have a fire and police commission that is paralyzed. You have a mayor that is punched out. And again, the bottom line is, whichever one of these three candidates emerges, and clearly there's, there, there's, there's two camps that are there, that, that's going to be a candidate that's not going to have been, have been supported by, well, you know, um, probably, what about, what do you do the numbers? Around 40% of the members of the Fire and Police Commission won't have supported that particular candidate. And, and how how do you like that? How do you like starting off? If you want to look at some of the problems that Al Morales had, part of it was because he really wasn't Tom Barrett's choice, and the Fire and Police Commission split, and uh, Al Morales was narrowly selected, and I don't think he ever had the support of a lot of the members of the Fire and Police Commission. I'm just telling you, this is a train wreck for the city of Milwaukee. Now, I know if you're listening to me, you might say, well, what, what do we care? Um, Milwaukee, it's it's just this, this overridden with crime anyways. You know, why do we care? Well, well, you care, first of all, because Milwaukee is one of the economic engines of the state, the city. But you care because the crime problems in Milwaukee spread. And they spread throughout southeastern Wisconsin. They still haven't arrested the two people that carjacked Chris Abley last Sunday night, at least to my knowledge. They still haven't arrested them. But I am willing to bet you dollars to donuts that when, in fact, they catch them, those aren't going to be kids from Shorewood. They're not going to be people from Grafton. They're going to be kids or people or criminals or whatever from Milwaukee who are now driving through Shorewood looking to try to find people who are driving expensive cars that they apparently don't know how to drive, that would be the carjackers, to pull them over and try to rob them at gunpoint. So if you think that, well, if I just stay out of Milwaukee, it's not going to, I don't have to worry about crime, sorry, that's not the way this is playing out. Milwaukee crime spreads throughout southeastern Wisconsin, and that's why when you have a mayor who's not doing much about it, when you've got a dysfunctional fire and police commission, when you have a new police chief who's going to be hamstrung from the beginning, when you have morale, which is terrible at the police department, you put all that together and you just kind of shake your head. Every time you think it couldn't get worse in Milwaukee when it comes to crime fighting, it does. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Um, it appears, and, and nobody, the wild card here is, is President Trump, but it appears as if the Democrats in the House of Representatives and the Republicans in control of the Senate are moving closer towards a, at least a, a partial 
second round of of covid relief stimulus sort of things um the democrats want two trillion dollars in extra spending the republicans have said no to that it looks like they're starting to coalesce around about a 900 million dollar proposal and and i don't again know where this is going to go but that that's what they're starting to talk about the proposal would include extended unemployment benefits for people but not the six hundred dollars a week probably like about three hundred bucks maybe a little bit less than that it would include money for state and local governments and there's various um you know there's various boonies that are thrown in there that that might end up killing it but but that's at least what they're looking at one of the things that is not included in the the new stimulus package is stimulus payments um you will remember that in the first stimulus payment in the first stimulus act everybody um, who made, if you're single and you had less than $75,000 in adjusted gross income or married and had less than $150,000 in adjusted gross income, everybody got $1,200. So that would mean a married couple would have gotten $2,400 as long as you were below those income limits. Now, as we've talked about before, I understand why the government did it, but I think it was a bad idea because I know a whole bunch of people who frankly didn't need the money and shouldn't have had it, in large part because they had lots of assets, or or maybe you know they had it made a whole bunch of money and it was just that last year for whatever reason was a little bit lower. So, but but yet they got you know twenty four hundred dollars if it was a married couple. My point was if you're going to do more stimulus, what you need to do is you need to target it more. And I, again, we can argue about who should get it, but just the idea of sending out an additional twelve hundred dollars to somebody who makes less than seventy five thousand dollars a year adjusted growth income or 150000 to a married couple, to me, that made no sense at all because lots and lots of money was going to people who, quote unquote, did not need it. All right. At least in what they're looking at now, there's not a second round of direct stimulus payments. Our number, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Tax Line. Is this a mistake? Or is it the right thing to do? In other words, should we go back and, and do what we did last spring, which is just send an enormous number of Americans $1,200 as a way of helping them through the, the pandemic, even if those people arguably did not need it? 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is is no. Now, if you want to come back to me and say, okay, well, maybe we need to figure out a way to give people longer unemployment benefits, or maybe we need to give incentives to essential workers who've been working through this. Okay, I'm willing to discuss that. Maybe you want to say, hey, we we need to target some of the people who um, have really taken an economic hit during this pandemic. But simply sending somebody who makes $72,000 a year, a $1,200 check, especially if they haven't been adversely affected by the pandemic. What if they've worked all year? Why should we send that person 1200 bucks, or why should we send the couple 2400 bucks? 855-616-1620. Should we include stimulus payments a second round? Everybody would love to get it, but that doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. We discuss in a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
855-616-1620. Jeff, I'm retired and a fixed income. Technically, maybe I don't need the $1,200, but guess what? I spent it at a local business that needed a boost. Well, okay, that, that's all well and good, but what you got to understand is that that's, it's not like it's free money. That money has to, you know, come there. Jeff, send a single bonus payment to a person who cancels unemployment. That way people actually start applying for jobs. Um, I hear a lot of people in need of a good job but can't get people to apply unless it's at least $20 an hour. Um, Jeff, I, so if I worked all year, I shouldn't get a stimulus check. The pandemic has been difficult me on my family even though I'm working, so it almost feels like I would be punished for having worked. Well, I'll, okay, I guess, but the point is, it, the, the purpose of the stimulus is to, you know, help people, I guess, who've lost their jobs and things like that, not people who are under stress but have had to continue to work. Jeff, there should not be any stimulus money for anyone, even the government. Let's talk to Mike in Menominee Falls. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, well, I've been working the entire year, and when I got... When I got my uh, stimulus check, uh, I, I did put it back into the economy. I mean, that's kind of the way I looked at it was, you know, mm-hmm. for the business. And I, and I went to a small arms dealer, and I bought myself a hunting rifle for this year. Um, you know, and I looked at the fact that their business was probably a little bit struggling at the time, even though they were still open. But I looked at it as, you know, an opportunity to at least invest back into the economy. But I think this time around, I'm not hurting for it. I mean, granted, everybody is kind of still struggling, if even if you are working, but at the same time, like you said, the money's got to come from somewhere. And right. if you just start throwing checks out there, eventually I feel like it's going to come back to bite us. Well, it will. I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, the first stimulus program, you know, several trillion dollars. T is in trillion. That, that's going to do it. Now, look, I understand why we did it the first time. We did it the first time because you had this massive... As a result of the pandemic, you had this massive government-ordered shutdown and other businesses that just flat-out went out of business. You had all sorts of people who suddenly, through no fault of their own and with no advance warning, lost their jobs and, you know, lost their livelihoods and were in a position where, okay, we're, what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to get through till April 15th? All right, well, there, there's not that sense of urgency that's here. Now, look, I understand we're still in the pandemic, but, you know, unemployment is, what were the numbers out today, around 6%. People are starting to get back to work. Now, maybe their jobs aren't there. I understand that lots of businesses have closed, but that doesn't mean that you just send out uh, checks. Jeff, it sounds like you are a fan of socialism. I swear, I do not understand some of the texts I get. The government can continue to take from those who have and give to those who have not. Why pay Social Security to those who have money? Well, you, you pay Social Security because people have contributed to Social Security. You're getting some of your money back. Why offer Medicare to those who have money? Well, again, the, the same thing is true. You, if you, you've paid in, presumably, to Medicare all your life, so it's not like the government is just giving it to you. I, I, have, I have no idea. Again, sometimes I get these tweets. I just don't understand what people are talking about. I have no idea how arguing that the government shouldn't send everybody a $1,200 check means that I am a fan of socialism. Go figure. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to one of the architects of the Kids to Kids Christmas area that I'm at. If you'd like to figure out a way to participate, we make it really easy. All you have to do is text the word KIDS, K-I-D-S, to 855-616-1620, and we'll send you the links. We're doing our all-day radio marathon, and I am on location in our big talking box out in Grafton at the Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland. Stick around. 
It's Capco's Kids to Kids Toy Drive Radiothon on WTMJ. To find out how you can help, text the word KIDS to the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Happy Holidays from WTMJ and Capco. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back. Actually, for the first time in like nine months, I am on a remote. I am out, actually, at the Christmas Wonderland at Capco for Kids to Kids Christmas. Did something during the break that I don't get an opportunity to do very often when I'm doing the show. Walked across the way and saw live reindeer. How cool was that? And if you're just tuning in, you're saying, what is this that they're talking about? Um, you know, this year, what Capco has done is set up what they're calling this, this Christmas Wonderland, and it's right on the corner of Highway 60 and Cheyenne. Highway 60, as I've been saying, it's the main Grafton exit. You get off, you go west about a mile. You cannot miss it. And they've set up this huge light display and Christmas village that you drive through. And, of course, you know, there's a charge to do that, but it's a wonderful thing, and you donate toys that all go to you know kids in need this is of course the 15th year of the capco kids to kids christmas event and i am very very pleased to be joined by one of the founders of that feast over the course of the last 15 years jim kasmerick from capco jim good afternoon well good afternoon to you and uh thanks for having me on absolutely like i said i got to see some of your reindeer just a couple minutes ago that was very cool doesn't happen to me that often that uh, that is their home now for the next month, and spending some time right next to the Santa uh, shop there. So yes, it's pretty cool to see. Right. Okay, Jim. Let let's go back to the beginning. For for people who might not know the story, let's talk about the impetus for for where Kids the Kids Christmas came from. You know, fifteen years ago. Well, so long ago, you know, Jonathan Green and, and myself and a few other people were kind of pondering ways to kind of give back and do a holiday kind of promotional thing. And I think at the time he was collecting some bears, or, or I'm not quite sure what that story totally was. But um, bottom line is, is, is Kids to Kids Christmas was born, and it really was, you know, a toy drive, obviously, and now is probably the most significant toy drive in the state of Wisconsin, thanks to TMJ and, and our partnership, and um, yeah, and 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 it really has a, a, a deep-seated message whereby we are attempting to give parents, in particular, teachable opportunity for their kids, kids to kids toy drive, children this time now helping kids, right? And so that's the message, mm-hmm. and that's the the way we drive it. Um, and we have so many uh, young kids involved. You know, every year it gets more and more. We collect toys through the schools in so many different ways, and we focus so heavily upon kids, giving them the message that others might be in need and give an opportunity for them to step out. And, boy, have they really done a marvelous job over the years, these kids. Now, this year is, of course, different than, than all the other years. You were talking about, again, a lot of a lot of the toy drives were at schools. Well, a lot of schools are, are virtual now. I, I know we used to have, have a several, you know, remotes where, you know, we'd be at different locations. One of the great partners was VMP. You know, we, we I can remember being at Costco's and at, you know, outside at car dealerships where people would have the opportunity to stop off and drop things off. Be, because of the, the pandemic, you really had to, to rethink kids to kids christmas 2020 
We certainly did, you know, and, and, and we just, it's been such a strong program. We had to pivot, just like we have with so many other things. You know, for those who maybe were not so familiar, it, the culmination historically has been this event inside of Capco where 20,000 toys are stacked up and people are kind of piling in and seeing all the toys and we have this fun afternoon of holiday celebration and and so we knew obviously we can't do that this year so um yeah we totally pivoted and <laughs> we decided to do a spectacular light show uh encouraging people to bring an unwrapped toy for a kid in need and, and really um juice it up this year, you know, because everybody, not just kids to kids toy drive, but just everybody needs an opportunity this year to celebrate, do something, get away from it. So here, perfect situation, drive through car with your family um, to see millions of lights and at the end uh, bring a toy for an unprivileged kid. And um, yes, we totally have definitely pivoted. Hey. Well, you know, it, it, it's almost, I mean, I, I'm sitting here now looking out at the Christmas Wonderland and, and all the different storefronts and the displays. And earlier today when I came out here, I kind of, I sort of drove through. Now, the lights obviously aren't on or anything like that. But, I mean, how would you describe it to people who, who are coming out here who, who haven't seen it? What can they expect when they get here? Well, it's, it, it's very different than most uh, light shows. And there's some great ones in our area, aren't there? And um Mm-hmm. This one has multiple tunnels that you're coming through past a massive pond. You know, it's got a uh, the manger scene there. It's got, um, you know, right in front of you, as you can see, you know, graffitied artists that actually created some, you know, murals. There's, there's so many different, um, you know, situations. And, of course, an opportunity to see Santa, drive your car right okay. up to Santa, you know, talk to Santa, have your kids talk to Santa, see those reindeer, journey through a, a Christmas village that was you know, created by Milwaukee artisans everywhere. It's just spectacular. Hollywood set designers helped us out here. Um, all the music that you hear on the grounds, and there's multiple songs done by uh, Nashville uh, professional musicians and and, uh, and songwriters out of mm-hmm. given music, all original music as well. It, it is it is actually something that is um, very, very different. And um, yeah. we're so humbled by the response that we've gotten from so many people on how cool this is and how unique it is. It's very different. It, every second of that drive, there's, there's lights going to music. There, it, it, is, it is a massive light show. It's really what it is. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and the other thing I understand is that, that you're, you're always adding lights. That, like the note I have says, so if you came out and you saw it last weekend, you come back this time, and it's going to be a little bit different. There, there's even going to be more stuff that's out here. Well, um, you know, in general, as we set sail to do this, we basically said to ourselves, you know, we have to kind of shock people with this light show. I mean, just, I mean, and that's a big, that's a big word, shock people, right? Right. We, that was our mission. Uh, and so people are coming through and just their jaws are dropping. They're telling us how wonderful is, how, how magical, coolest light show we've ever been through. Just, we're really happy with that. Notwithstanding that. There is container loads still of lights coming. We are going to be, we are, when you guys see this tonight, you know, Jeff, as, as it gets mm-hmm. set up, um, I don't know specifically, maybe there's another 40, 50% more lights coming every day now. Wow. So it, wow. it is, in a few days, um, we might be able to see this from outer space kind of a thing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's pretty significant. 
Well, you know, Jim, and I know the purpose is is kids to kids Christmas, but I, I'm, I want to share with you. I, I have a I have a golfing buddy and a friend of mine who's very active with the United Way of Northern Ozaki County. And when he heard I was going to be out here, he sent me a note saying, "You should know this because, um, you know, we he said, you know, we've been volunteering out there for for the last four nights or so, and apparently you you've been good enough to allow United Way to sell wreaths at the start of of the drive through show. So people, and apparently that's been a great success. You know, these people that come here and they're getting ready to go there and they see these wreaths and they pick up a wreath or drive through or go back and and my friends from united way were just just blown away again by by the spirit of cooperation and generosity and the fact that, that this is all really designed to help the community in general it is and and uh, they are great partners and we actually just set up something for this coming wednesday and the following wednesday where many charities and throughout all southeastern wisconsin are going to benefit by those who come by and see the light show where where they have an opportunity to help their charity yes it's really simply this i mean you know you come to this event there is a twenty dollar fee to go through it there has been some expenses taken out of some of those fees to be real but as you pay twenty bucks you're coming to a fun family event and some of that money is buying a toy for an underprivileged right. kid so right. and that's twenty bucks that's twenty bucks for a car load right I mean, that's yeah, 20 bucks stack for a them car in load, there. Make right? sure yeah. everybody's got sure. a seatbelt, yeah. but stack them in there, right? Sure. And Yes, absolutely. And um, so it's, it's affordable, uh, number one. And it's a donation is effectively what most of the monies go to. Um, and, and that's one of the things today. This is a really difficult year from a toy perspective. We've, we've collectively raised or collected over 20,000 toys every single year since our inception. 230,000, 250,000, somewhere in that rate, toys have been collected. Just a marvelous, magical thing. This is a very tough year. Everybody knows this is a tough year. One of the things that we ask people to consider this year, which is not normally something that we have asked for or done, we're asking people for cash donations. Can your listeners potentially call in, make a cash donation? What we do with that money is we buy wholesale toys. So right. instead of buying them from, uh, you know, a store at a certain profit as they need, and we're not trying to circumvent by, that by any way, but the money goes farther. So if you can donate 200 bucks, 300 bucks, we can buy a bunch of toys with that and really make a difference this year. This is a tough year. We've said it everywhere it's tough. So no news to anybody from that perspective. But we really could use cash donations this year to buy more toys uh, because some of those collections in those schools that we depended on, they're not going to be as right. productive, right? They're just, they're just right. not. So we had to repivot and do this kind of situation. So, um, yes, we're so, trying so to well, for help, pe- people for, help people. For people who want to participate and want to, we're, we're making it really easy to make those donations. For example, right now, if you simply text the word "kids" K I D S to our Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line eight five five six one six one six twenty, we'll send you a link. Um, you can also get there through our website wtmj.com. If you go there, you see the link, and the direct link is kids to kids toy drive dot com, where you can make arrangements to buy tickets and, and also you can make the donations directly. So that, that's wonderful. Let's what what time does this kick off every evening? What, what time do you turn on the lights and start letting the cars go through? Well, one of the things that we do at the start of this is we have a kid from 
just different areas, right? Um, I'm Mac Fun Child, certain different other kids that come at 445 and turn a switch on it, turn off lights on. <laughs> so what a blessing and a fun event that is for that family and that group. But 5 o'clock is the time that we start. And right at that website, kids2kidstoydrive.com, or through your channels, of course, you'll find opportunities to buy a Fast Pass, to buy a Pass to See Santa. It's all right there for everybody, and, and 20 bucks will get you in the door. Um, and it, and obviously on weekends, Friday nights, Saturday nights, it's pretty busy. So there's a mm-hmm. little patience needed to get in, unless you can buy that fast pass. But um, you know, obviously during the weeknights, it's a, a little less, uh, you know, a little easier to get in a little quicker. So yes. And how, and how late do you run it? So it typically starts at five o'clock. And how how late are, are people going through here? We're finishing about nine o'clock. You know, we're not going to turn okay. the last folks away type of a thing. But uh, um, on the weekends, it, we stay open a little bit later and. Um, yeah, but um, many of the fast passes, the Santa passes, are already sold out in some areas. So really, if you have if you have a kid and you want to see Santa, I, I super super encourage you to do this. Jump and look and see which Santa passes are available because some are sold out. Get on that soon. Um, and my goodness, when when folks start to come again next week or even this weekend, you're going to see a light show that you just are going to be mesmerized by. Well, it's an amazing. It, it's just absolutely amazing, and, and even in the daylight, I, I, it's just it's just absolutely amazing. And we want to encourage people to participate. And I'm just looking at our text line. Lots of people are already texting uh, the word "kids," and so that's great. Jim, um, I, we get a chance to talk every year, and I really appreciate it. I think this is just a wonderful effort, and I, I like your word "pivot." You know, this is a it's a difficult year for everybody, and I'm rather than just packing it in and saying, "Okay, we'll come back in 2021," I, I just I take my hat off to your creativity and the generosity of so many people and I I know this is a a full-time endeavor and it's an endeavor of the heart for you and so many people with Capco and in the community and um, I'm just I'm I'm very very privileged to be a part of it as well well thanks and we're super uh, privileged and honored as well that that TMJ is working with us on this on this project and uh, yeah we've been partners from day one and um, you know together southeastern Wisconsin looks out for each other and again we we know get us some help for her kids um, you know, to buy some toys, come and enjoy this event. That's the thing. Just enjoy this event. Even if you can't afford to bring a, a, a toy this year, we get it. Just come and enjoy this event. It, it's just a magical way to just get away from it all for sure. It is. Jim Kaczmarek, we'll be speaking to you soon. Take care, my friend. All right. Be well. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, again, it's just a wonderful thing. And, and if and again, typically we have encouraged you know people to go out and, and get new toys. And of course, that's still great. But again, this year, she was explaining because of the logistics and all the stuff going along, they are actively soliciting more so than they ever did in the past cash donations. And if you want different ways, text the word kids K I D S to eight five five six one six one six twenty. You can go to our website or um, again the the Capco website as well. Kids to kids. It's ToyDrive.com. Very, very special. Back with more in this just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. Once again, we are broadcasting from the Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. Just got done with an extensive conversation with Jim Kaczmarek from Capco. This is the 15th year for the Kids to Kids Christmas campaign. This year a little bit different, and they set up this amazing 
a drive-through light show. It kicks off at five o'clock every evening. Twenty dollars for carload, and they're encouraging people also to bring new toys. Um, it, it's just it is a very very spectacular thing. And if you if again you think where where is this? And we're we're right in front of the main Capco facility. We are on Highway 60 and Cheyenne. So if you get off the freeway at the Grafton exit, and I think everybody knows that there's the big shopping centers. There's I think a Target and there's a Menards and um, there's a Dick's Sporting Goods and a Costco. You get off, you go west about a mile, I would say, and we're on the north side of the road. You you cannot miss it. There's all these storefronts and lights, and um, I have not been here after dark, but uh, I guarantee you, Fran and I are going to be coming out sometime soon, so you can check that all out. It is a wonderful cause. Oh, and by the way, and again, if you want to figure out a way to participate, easiest way, if you just send us the word, text us the word kids uh, to 855-616-1620, we'll send a link. And I, I have that in front of me now, and it's just I'm so pleased by how many people are, are actually sending that link to find out how they can help. It's a great thing. Okay, if you are out in the People's Republic of Madison today, there is a change in the law. Let me read you the way the Journal Sentinel reports this. Residents of Madison will now be able to possess and consume small amounts of marijuana under a series of ordinances passed by the city's common council. The ordinances will allow people 18 or over within Madison to possess up to 28 grams of marijuana. That's an ounce. So you can possess up to an ounce of marijuana on public or private property beginning on Friday. On public or private property, those in possession of the substance will also be able to smoke it or consume it by other means with the permission of the homeowner, the landlord, or the tenant. The ordinances do not allow cannabis to be smoked in areas already deemed not smoking, like the inside of bars and restaurants, and does not allow the possession or consumption of synthetic chemical cannabis. Um, So uh, they also allow for the possession of paraphernalia, like bongs or pipes, but ban consumption in a motor vehicle while in operation by both the driver and the passengers within 1,000 feet of a school and on a school bus. Well, that's good. We don't want the school bus driver smoking pot while he's driving your kids around. And we don't want you smoking pot when you're behind the wheel of the car if you're near a school. Now, I, I would make the argument that I, I don't want people smoking pot while they're driving their cars to begin with, but that's just me. But in any event, here's what this means as a practical matter. Um, you can now, if you are in Madison and you decide you want to walk down the street and you want to fire up a joint, you can pretty much do that because, again, public or private places. If you want to sit out in the front yard um, of of your apartment building and you want to smoke dope, you you can now do that. It is pretty much a a free-for-all. Now, this ordinance doesn't change the fact that um, possession of marijuana is still illegal under both state and federal law, but... Madison um, police has already been told by the Dane County District Attorney's Office, don't give us charges. Don't don't bother sending these over because we're not going to do anything with them. But the bottom line now is that um, if you want to walk down the streets in Madison and you want to smoke dope, now it's it's Katie bar the door. You can do that. They not only allow it, but they actually encourage it.
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, see, a lot of places that authorize, have decriminalized or legalized marijuana, it, it, it's still... You, got, you can do it in private homes, and of course here you can do it in private homes, but you can also do it out in public. All right, is this a good idea from a public policy standpoint? No consumption in a motor vehicle while in operation by both the driver and the passengers within a 1,000 feet of a school and on a school bus. All right, but I, I don't know if that also means, though, that you can, you can smoke pot in your car if you're not within 1,000 feet of a school. All right, but the idea that you can now walk down the public streets smoking marijuana, good idea, bad idea. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand you might disagree with me on this. I, I'm sorry, I think this is a really, really, really bad idea. But we'll discuss. 855-616-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I'm a liberal Democrat. The idea of allowing people to walk down the street smoking a joint is stupid. We don't allow people to walk down the street drinking and for good reason. Jeff, wait, I I thought tobacco laws restricted the smoking age to 21. Now in Madison, you only need to be 18 to smoke pot. Where, Where is the logic? Well, that's an interesting point because the way I understand this as well, we, we have a, a 20, and you can argue about this. As a matter of fact, over the years, we, we've discussed the merits of the 21-year-old drinking age. But yes, you, you have to be 21 years old to buy a beer. But the ordinances allow people 18 or over within Madison to consume pot um, in, in public places. Okay, now, there, there is... I mean, I think so, you won't ever wonder if somebody like stops and takes a step back and says, "Huh, okay, so you can't have a beer legally till you're 21, but you can walk down the street smoking a joint." Eight five five six one six one six twenty. James in Glendale. James, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, my thoughts on this are a little bit different. You know, I think that this is not necessarily a question of Madison advancing a new policy. Or rather, they're kind of unwinding an old policy that was bad and didn't work, and has never really worked, and that's a prohibition of any item. And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, this question of marijuana use overall is kind of where the rubber meets the road on people who are liberty-minded, liber- living out their values. So even conservatives, you know, liberals obviously support this issue. That's why it's, you know, being advanced in medicine. But conservatives should support this, too, because this is just about freedom of choice. It's a really simple issue, and I think when it comes down to it, Prohibition just never works, and, and as far as well, okay, the well, ordinance... Well, well, where do you draw the line, though? Um, and again, for example, what, is it Oregon that's just legalized the use of all hard drugs, so PCP and, and heroin? Would you make that same argument that we shouldn't have prohibitions against things like that? Well, I think it's a debate that should be had, and, and you know, I actually have a little bit of knowledge about the subject. Portugal has done the same thing. Uh, you know, when you are selling hard drugs... Through a state-sponsored system, they're going to be subjected to a lot more controls. But, uh, you know, at least when it comes to marijuana, uh, I think that's a question for another day, hard drugs. You know, right now, okay. marijuana is what's on the table. And, and that I don't even think that really contributes to a lot of social ills, like arguably a lot of other drugs do. 
you know, people have some moral objections. Obviously, we don't want to use it around children, but I think the ordinance already makes provisions for that. And obviously, we can continue to finely tune these sort of local ordinances. But the overarching theme that I'm getting at is just that prohibition is kind of a wrong-headed policy. Do you, uh, do you think people should be able to drive around in cars smoking joints? You know, I think that uh, there needs to be more research on that topic. And, and part of the reason that there isn't as much research is because of the stigma that surrounds marijuana. So I think if we move forward on ordinances like these, we can start to explore that arena. Because as far as I know, the science just isn't in on that. And, uh, you know, I would, I would okay. lean towards saying no, you know, like other things we prohibited. But yeah. as it is, people can smoke cigarettes in their vehicles. So, you know, I think we just yeah. need to look into that more closely and uh, explore yeah. it. Okay, well, I get it, James. Thanks for the perspective. I, I don't see, see to me. I, I'm just just like I don't think it's a good idea to drive down the streets drinking out out of out of a flask of Jack Daniel's Tennessee whiskey. I just think that's a bad idea. Now, I, I mean, I understand that there we have a huge we have a huge problem with drinking and driving in the state of Wisconsin. But typically, it's you drink, then you get in your car and you drive. Can you imagine how bad the problem would be if we suddenly said, "Here, just get behind the car. You got your bottle of Old Forester here. Start drinking while you're driving." Can you imagine what that would be? And to me, I guess I don't see the peril. Yes, you could smoke cigarettes in your car, but you, but but to me smoking marijuana which is you can argue it's no worse than having a couple beers or whatever but from a perspective of a mind-altering substance i know i i don't want i don't want people driving around in their cars smoking pot and i guess it's one thing to be pro uh i would argue it's one thing to be let, let's say pro uh, again decriminalization it's another thing to say though that you know you can walk down the streets the public streets and just you know you know smoke whatever you want um let's see jeff i'm rather ambivalent about the whole legislation issue however this makes little sense to me can you walk down the street while consuming alcohol too i don't think the public intoxication is a good thing regardless of the drug of choice add the fact that young college kids aren't exactly known for always being able to make the decisions um jeff the difference between smoking cigarettes in your car versus smoking pot in your car is that one impairs you. Um, Jeff, kids go out in public, too. I think pot should only be allowed on private property to avoid secondhand exposure um, that's out there. Uh, let's see. Jeff, smoking pot on driving should not be allowed. I think it's that simple. Um, Jeff, they don't call them joints anymore. They're called blunts. <laughs> okay, well, what, 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 whatever. Um, yes, they're, they're also called blunts. Um, Jeff, let me add this. The, the, second, the crowd that cried about secondhand smoke, now that secondhand smoke also gets them intoxicated. That, that always has been an interesting thing for me about the, the pro-marijuana crowd because, again, when you're talking about, like, carcinogenic stuff, I mean, if cigarette smoking is bad for you, and by the way, it is, um, you know, smoking marijuana is like that on steroids. Now, arguably, you're, you're probably not going to be having 20 blunts or joints a, a day, like if you're smoking a pack of cigarettes. Um, Jeff, um, I don't. I think adults should have the freedom to choose. Um, cannabis should have been legalized for a couple decades now. Well, you've got all the different things that are out there, and it's one thing again to decriminalize this. It's another thing 
to say, um, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to just give you carte blanche to do whatever you want, whenever you want, which is where Madison is. And that's where I think, again, it, it's going too far. Let's talk to um, John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Well, what do you I think? Don't smoke, I, don't, I don't smoke marijuana, so I shouldn't be, you know, I shouldn't be uh, <laughs> happy to... I mean, if it's not going to get me high, do what you want to do. I'm, I mean, I'm for it. But, huh? you know, I'm not for it if it's going to affect me as far as getting high. Well, I guess the only question would be, you, you say it, it, it doesn't necessarily affect you. Well, I don't, I don't know. You're, you're, you're walking down the street, and, and all of a sudden your, your block becomes the spot where, like, like all the, the potheads are, are going to hang out. Now, um, so, you know, as you're, as you're walking down the street, you've got 20 or 20 you know, 18-year-olds that are sitting there smoking pot, um, is that necessarily the type of thing you want for your neighborhood? No, I don't want it in my neighborhood. I mean, you, <laughs> I just think you're in your home or in your car, fine, because it's not affecting no one but you. You know, so what if my, what if my grandkids are out there? <laughs> you know, it, it's, not, it's not fair to, to, you know, to impose your, you know, your thing on everybody else. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank. Just, no, I get. Well, I mean, is that fair to me? Well, no. Thank. Right. I guess. I mean. I see, and I, I understand what you're saying. I guess. I. I sort of look at this, and if this was decriminal, what really struck me about this ordinance was it's not just decriminalizing the use, but again, it's it's the breadth of this. It, it's up to an ounce, public or private property. And um, you, so you could, you can do it in public. Are we are we gonna? So you want to go sit in the park and smoke dope? Okay, you can go sit in the park and smoke and smoke dope. And again, I, the way this is written, you know, you can you you can be in a motor vehicle while it is operating unless it's within a thousand feet of a school or on a school bus. Well, thank God for that. I mean, you know, it's it's just like oh, this is what we're thinking that's out there. Look, I understand that in trying to in trying to fight against the legalization of marijuana, uh, we're, we're swimming upstream. I, I get it. I, I understand that that is the trend. More and more states are doing that, and that's inevitably probably where we're going to be. And I understand the argument that says, okay, let's legalize this, let's tax it, let's take the dough. I, I get it. At the same time, I, I just, from the perspective of a public policy matter, if the argument is it, it's, it's no worse than alcohol, all right, well, we have a huge problem with alcohol in, in this country. And so I guess the question is, all right, do, do we want to legalize this? I, the, the thing, when I was looking at this story, we were in a year ago, a year ago September, on our river cruise, we were in, we started in Amsterdam. I love Amsterdam. I, I, Amsterdam is a great, great city. It's one of those places that I would love to go back. But i got to tell you something. Walking down the streets of Amsterdam, and, and they have, it's one of these things where, there's main streets, but there's also all these like side streets and the, these buildings on shops and stuff in these like small little backyard areas, in these small back areas. Walking through the streets of, of, of Amsterdam reminded me, and I, I swear, it reminded me of being at a rock concert in 1975. I mean, the overriding smell of dope because everybody 
for many, many people were doing what it's now apparently going to be legal to do in Madison, you know, standing up against storefronts and everybody was smoking dope and stuff like that. And I just wonder, from a public policy perspective, is that really good? From a business perspective, is that really good, that you want people leaning up against, uh, you know, the, the grocery stores or in you know, public buildings or whatever and smoking dope and, again, creating the aura of the rock concert in 1975? Does that really make society better? Just asking. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's Capco's Kids to Kids Toy Drive Radiothon on WTMJ. To find out how you can help, text the word KIDS to the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Happy Holidays from WTMJ and Capco. And this is Jeff Wagner. My favorite text of the day from our regular listener, Jeff. Jeff, Madison is about to turn into Alpine Valley West before a Robert Plant concert. The food truck owners will be happy, though. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, hey, man, I'm just, I, you know, I'm really hungry. I've got the munchies here. Those tacos are going to look good. Experience holiday joy and excitement from the comfort of your car at Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton, where I am right this very minute, featuring millions of lights, three mesmerizing light tunnels, and a bustling Christmas village. All guests are encouraged to bring in a new unwrapped toy that will go to children in need in our community. This week, a toy donation gets you a buy one, get one ticket to a Milwaukee Admirals game. You could also win a $200 shopping spree to the Admirals team store. Find Capco's Christmas Wonderland at the corner of Cheyenne Avenue and Highway 60 in Grafton. Happy holidays from WTMJ and Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas. A lot of stuff coming up in the 2 o'clock hour of the program. Don't go anywhere. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. My opportunity, first of all, to say thank you. We had a, as, as we've been talking about all day, we're in the middle of a radiothon for our Kids to Kids Christmas campaign. And as I discussed with the, the really the founder of, of this idea, along with John Green, Jim Kaczmarek, um, in the 1 o'clock hour, it, it's a different year. I mean, we, we, we do this at WTMJ and with Capco every year. And, and typically what we do is we have various events where people can bring toys to us and donate money and things like that as well. Well, this year, because of the pandemic, we, we can't do that or we can't do it as easily as we'd like to. Um, in addition, a lot of the, the toy drive is centered around going out to schools and things like that. But lots of schools aren't. It's virtual learning. And same thing with lots of businesses that everybody's at home and things like that. So it's a different year. So this year, Capco has this Christmas wonderland. And we've been talking about that. I'm, I'm here now. I had an opportunity again during the break. I was just kind of walking around. It's like being on a Hollywood movie set. It, it is because you've got all these storefronts that are built out. If you've ever been like the, like Universal Studios or something like that, you, you go and you see this, and it, it, it looks like a, a city. But th- these are like storefronts and stuff, and this is all going to be lit up in, oh, about two and a half, three hours or so. So it's very cool. But in addition, we're, we're doing something we, we typically don't do. But this year, we're, we're asking for cash donations. And what happens is the folks at Capco go out, and they, they take the money that there is donated and then then they buy wholesale toys so it's to go to toys and things like that but we're soliciting this and the, the easiest way to do it you can go to our website wtmj.com and we've got a link you can go to the capco website but but also if you just text us the word kids k-i-d-s to um, 855-616-1620 we'll, we'll send you the link and make it easy but in any event uh the one o'clock hour of the program 
a big, big donation, several, several thousand dollars. And um, I, I very much appreciate it. I know the kids appreciate it. I know everybody at WTMJ and at Capco appreciate it. So we had a big one o'clock hour, and nothing would make me happier if we could top that in, in the two o'clock hour as well. So um, I, I understand, look, and, and believe me, I, I understand that. This is a unique year, and the times are tough. And but you know, whatever, whether it's a twenty dollars donation or a fifty dollars donation or a hundred or a two hundred or a five hundred, whatever, that's uh, we very much appreciate it. And again, we make it easy to do it. Um, but if you just text the word "kids" to eight five five six one six one six twenty, we will send you the link. Speaking about a, a difficult year. Um, I, I guess I, I'm not surprised, but I'm extremely disappointed. One of my favorite bars slash restaurants downtown is, is Buck Bradley's Saloon and Eatery. It's on Old World 3rd Street, and it's it's right around the corner. To give you an idea, if you haven't been there before, it's been there forever. It, it's this great bar and restaurant. They have great sandwiches, and they have this long bar. It, it's outstanding. It's right around the corner from, like, Mater's, and I, it, it used to be my go-to for years and years, up until I think last year, we would do our holiday radio show where we do it in, in person. And again, we're, we're, we're doing a holiday radio show, but it's not in person this year, thank you to the pandemic. But, I mean, I can remember every year after we'd finished, when we would do it at Turner Hall, uh, my, my wife and my friends, we'd, we'd walk around the corner and we'd go and we'd have a, like a late dinner at Buck Bradley's. Used to love it. Um, it was a place that was certainly a go-to place after games at the Bradley Center and at Fiserv and things like that. Really loved it. And family-run business, really, really nice people as well. And I guess it, it's not surprising, but I, I guess I remember, you know, when this, this whole thing started, I was thinking, okay, how are those downtown businesses going to be able to survive? Because, first of all, you've got the capacity limits that, that the government puts on and things like that, but also they're really not necessarily destinations in and of themselves. I mean, so many of those places in Old World, 3rd Street and all, are very dependent on on the events. It's like, okay, well, is somebody going to drive downtown just to go to Buck Bradley's? Well, well maybe, but more likely you're, you're, you're going to be going to an Admiral's game or you're going to be going to something at the, you know, what do they call it now, the arena, the Panther, UW Panther Auditorium, the Panther Arena, or you're going to be going to something at, at Fiserv, and so you're down there, and so you're looking to grab a beer and a sandwich before the game or after the game and things like that. So when all those games games went away, it was not surprising to me that the, the business pressure, besides just everything else going on with bars and restaurants, would be difficult. And um, like I say, Buck Bradley's, it's been in business for 25 years, apparently um, closed on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's now closed. Uh, they, they say they hope to be able to reopen, but there's no reopening day scheduled. And uh, I guess the owner says, look, it, again, it's the loss of, of events. We're dependent on the, these events. And, you know, when there's no hockey games that are down there and there's no circus and there's no shows and there's no theater and all those things that would attract people to the area, it just becomes a killer. So uh, they're saying for Bucks Bradley's, they're saying, well, it's closed. We hope to be able to reopen it. My fear is that uh, so many of those restaurants that and 
bars or whatever that were so integral to the nightlife of the area that they've closed and they're not going to be coming back. Now, I, I hope that's not the case with Buck Bradley's, and they say that they're intending on doing that. But the real question becomes the longer this stuff goes on and the, the longer it goes before we can have in-person events, how many more of these businesses are going to end up closing and just not reopening, period? The other story this week about that was the um, the Pabst Pilot House, um, which is up in, in the brewery district to the you know east of, of Fiserv. And there was a number of places. There was a Jacob Best's uh, uh, bar restaurant. And then this was a little bit to the west of that. I remember when this place opened up like three years ago, they put a ton of money into turning what was this old church into the, this brew pub. And, I, I, you know, they were Pabst products and things like that. And it was really a cool place. It, it never quite found its niche. And they announced this week that the place was closing at the end of this month and uh, moving any brewing operations to San Antonio or something like that. So, again, it's it's an unfortunate sort of thing. And that's that's part of the, the ongoing story of, of COVID. It's not just the direct impact that the government closures or the limitations on size has on, on a particular business, and that makes it tough for the restaurants. But it's also, you know, what do you do when you, uh, again, you, you make your money on, hey, people come into the Bucks games and people come into the Marquette games and people come into the Admiral games, and, and you're not allowed to have people at those games anymore. Well, that's it's that huge trickle-down effect. And um, as, as somebody who's a huge fan of, of Buck Bradley's, I, I, hope, I hope they're able to come back, um, but at least for the time being, They're closed indefinitely. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, that was nice. One of the great barbers in Ozaki County, my friend Herb, just pulled up, dropped off 20 bucks for the Kids to Kids Christmas campaign. All right, so that's that's what we're talking about. It's that kind of generosity, and I appreciate it. Hadn't seen Herb for a while. Um, very, very nice to see him. Just absolutely outstanding. Okay, here's the deal. The federal government has just apparently signed off on sending about $41 million to um, Milwaukee County. The other $15 million that this is going to cost is going to come from Milwaukee County. And apparently what's going to happen is we've now gone ahead and made the decision that they will start the new quote-unquote rapid bus service that will connect downtown to essentially the, the medical college and the hospitals that are out on the west side. This is the way it is going to work. The um, BRT funding is what they call it. It's bus rapid transit. The BRT funding will be used for new stations, platforms, dedicated lane improvements, and off-board fare collection devices. Um, They will, here's the deal, it's a nine-mile route that will extend west from the lakefront along Wisconsin Avenue to Hawley Road, then turn south to West Blue Mound Road, then follow Blue Mound Road west to 95th Street, where it will turn east onto Wisconsin Avenue, and then it will wind its way up to Watertown Plank Road. This 
quote-unquote rapid transit plan that's going to cost 50-some million dollars is going to result in losing some lanes of traffic. It's going to make parking along the route a lot more difficult. It's going to make access to some of the businesses along the route more difficult. But what are we going to accomplish by this rapid bus line? A one-way commute on the route's entire length is expected to take 37 minutes. So it's still going to take you more than a half hour if you would ride from the lakefront all the way out to the medical college. Now, here's the the other thing that's going on here. What's one of the things that's happened during the pandemic? It's been that nobody goes downtown anymore. Now, I understand that's an exaggeration. Some people still go downtown. But if you go downtown during the day, It's like a ghost town, and it's because many, many businesses have decided that that they're allowing their employees to work at home. Now, maybe that's going to change. Maybe it's not. But I will tell you something. If you think that even when we get the vaccine and we get past this pandemic, if you think that that has not drastic, what's been going on for the last year, has not drastically changed the way that businesses are going to operate, all I can tell you is be sure to duck your shoulder when you fall off the turnip truck because I I think what you're seeing is more and more people work at home and they find that they like, first of all, employees like working at home and secondly, businesses find that you you can have employees that are working at home um, and, and they're not losing efficiency. Plus, you can do that without having huge commitments. Why do we need five floors in a downtown office building when, you know, maybe we can get by with one or two and just save all that type of money? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, You know, it's interesting that this is coming at a time when ridership of, of buses, for example, around here is dropping to record low levels, that they estimate that, you know, bus ridership is right now it's about 50 percent, 50 percent of what it was like a year ago. Well, that's no surprise, again, because of COVID. I, I get it. Also because, you know, people aren't traveling as much. But just like just like we're going to spend tens of millions of dollars to build improvements to a downtown convention center when almost everybody recognizes that the convention business is never going to come back to be what it was a few years ago. seems to me at this point in time to take $55 million, tear up streets, do away with parking, make it more difficult for people to drive, all in the name of building a, a rapid bus system that's going to get you if you want to go from the lakefront to the medical college in 37 minutes, which doesn't necessarily strike me as being that rapid anyways. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, they'd be better off running free county buses on the same route to save money. Yes, they would absolutely be that. Um, let's talk to Dave on the east side. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I ride the bus in that direction often, and the gold line already accomplishes exactly what they're trying to do right now. It runs from UWM down Wisconsin Avenue, down Blue Mound area, out to um, Brookfield Square. And it's about 37 minutes if you take that route as well. So I don't know what they're if they're replacing that or supplementing it or what they're doing. Well, it, well, yeah, and I, I guess my, my question is, 
my, my fundamental question is, is this really, if you've got $55 million sitting around and you want to put it in public transportation, is this the best way you could spend $55 million? And I've, I've got to tell you, Dave, I've never gotten this. It just, you know, add more buses. Um, uh, you know, may, maybe you can play around with giving the buses the ability to, like, you know, change the lights so it can move faster and things like that. But, but this rapid bus line, I just don't understand who's going to ride it. Yeah, I mean, no, they already have the route, so I, I don't know right. what, what they're doing to supplement it. I mean, it, it, it seems overkill. Well, it does. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Right, I mean, we're, we're, right, where exactly is this going to come from, and who are, going to, who are the riders going to be, and, you know, how many people are going to be, again, given the fact that, that people aren't using buses now, number one, and number two, people aren't going to be going downtown in in the near future at all, this idea that you're spending the money doing this is just, to me, just crazy. Uh, let's see, Jeff, uh, how do we change the stupid convention center thing? How did the public get this postponed? I'm sorry, the, it, that, that's, it's, the ship has sailed. It's just like the fact that the ship has sailed on, on this one. And it's the idea that, okay, we've got the money, or in the case of the convention center, here we, we're going to do the, the bonding on this, and ultimately, if it doesn't work out, the taxpayers are going to be on the hook for, I think, like $300 million. In this particular case, it's $55 million. They're going to put this in. Nobody is going to ride it. I shouldn't say nobody. There will be a handful of people that ride it, but not too many people are going to be riding it. Jeff, does this, run with the, uh, does this run with the trolley car? Well, yeah. Oh, no, this is completely and totally independent of the trolley, which will be in that area as well. Matter of fact, they're expanding the trolley because, again, they can do it. Now that they've got to go ahead to build the couture down at the lakefront, now you're going to put in that trolley spur as well. Can someone say, Trolley Tom's wheels are turning? Jeff, laugh out loud. It's a waste of money. Put that money to the police. Yeah, see, that's, that, that's the thing. You know, I, I understand that the way we throw money around, well, we just throw money around. But $55 bucks. Now, think of, even in the area of public transit, think of what you could do with $55 million dollars. And then ask yourself the fundamental question, is the best use of that to say, okay, we're going to put in this direct line, which, again, it gets you out there in 37 minutes as opposed to, you know, 40 minutes or 42 minutes or or whatever, especially at a time when fewer and fewer people are riding the bus. And is it really for the majority of people, gee, it's going to, I'm going to get there in 37 minutes instead of 42 or 45. Is that really going to be the defining factor that, oh, now I'm going to suddenly take the bus? Sorry, don't think so. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.